And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller and Jake Seedley here with you on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to do another in, out, or no doubt round. On this one, we are going to talk about that dreaded running back dead zone, that part of the draft where you're being told, don't enter, stay away, all costs, avoid this group of running backs. They're going to kill your team if you draft one of these guys. Don't even bother playing fantasy football this year. Well... Maybe not quite so easy. Jake and I are going to try to weed through some of the bigger names in this group of players and find where we like, where we don't like, where maybe it's a little bit murky. Jake, what are your thoughts on the running back dead zone generally? Mm, I inadvertently, well, no, I say inadvertently, I guess advertently, like I, I avoid <laughs> it, but it's not like, it's just like, I'm not avoiding to be like, oh my God, I'm not drafting yeah. running backs in the dead zone. Like, so if I ever do, they're always my third running back. That's why, because I already have two running backs at this mm-hmm. point. Not every single draft I've ever done, but because I try to get two in the first three rounds, it's my third running back, or I'm piling up on the podcast that we just talked about when talking about wide receivers in the 20s and 30s. I'm getting those as my threes and fours, and I'm kind of double-tapping that range to potentially get one or two that finish as a top 15 wide receiver. So I'm just... I generally avoid running backs in this range. I'm thinking about maybe a tight end. But again, if I draft a running back, it's less impactful to hurting my team because Mm -hmm. it's my third running back. Like, it's okay if I miss on my flex more than if it's going to be my number two. Jake mentions the podcast we did previously this week. And these are good companion podcasts for when you're thinking about what you're doing early in the draft. Because everyone we talked about in that previous episode was ADP about 40 to 65 Everyone who we're talking about today is also in that 40 to 65 range. That previous episode was all receivers. This is all running back. So you're going to have three players in a 12-team in a, in a league. You're already going to have three players before any of these players comes up in their ADP slot. And so it gives you an idea of what you will have available to you over those next handful of rounds. And maybe that helps you fi- figure out exactly what you want to do in the first three rounds. And I'm in a similar boat to Jake. I'm not necessarily just saying, oh, avoid the running back dead zone. But if I build running back early, which is my preferred build, not necessarily just going to stick to it no matter what, but that's the preferred way I like to build a team, then I'm less likely to jump in on this group of running backs. But that does not mean we're going to avoid them at all costs. Jake, let's start out with a big name. Let's just get this going with a bang. Ezekiel Elliott from first round to dead zone, RB19, AD of 40, ADP, excuse me, of 40.89. I mean, when Zeke was healthy, the numbers were there. It wasn't pretty, but the numbers were there last season. What do you feel about him this year? Yeah, if he's going to fall to the dead zone, I'm going to be, this is no doubt all in again, similar, because it comes down to, is he 
really playing through an injury last year. That was the reports. There's a lot of them, including from the team, that like he wasn't healthy mm-hmm. all year long. But the biggest factor we've talked about on multiple podcasts here uh, is that Jerry Jones doesn't want to look stupid, and he's going to continue. He came out last week and said, we're going to feature the hell out of Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. yet again this year. Like They're going to run him into the ground. The problem is... He's already started to have one foot already in the ground. And I don't mean dead. I mean, as in, like, he's running with a foot already buried into dirt because he's kind of... Now, maybe he was a hurt, and maybe he looks as explosive as he did two, three years ago. Uh, I think that would be a shock to most anybody. Yes. But the volume is going to be there. The biggest volume is it's very much like James Conner, Damian Harris, and the fact that he's going to get all the goal line work, double-digit touchdowns if we expect this offense to be good. But that's why he's in this range, and that's not mm-hmm. why he's a fringe RB1. So if he was higher up and he wasn't in the dead zone, I'm out. And I've said I'm out, and we've been on shows talking about the fact that I'm out in that range. I'm not drafting him by Aaron Jones or Javante Williams mm-hmm. or Nick Chubb or names like that. If he's going to be in this range, in the dead zone, then, uh, like I said, 100%. No doubt, all in on this. It's it's really hard to be out on him at this range. Like if you're going to be out on him at this price tag, then you basically you're <laughs> you assuming yeah right you're assuming injury, <laughs> right? Which is something you should never do with anyone. You think that for some reason Mike McCarthy's suddenly going to decide Tony Pollard is the RB one on this team, which he hasn't shown us uh, any willingness to do so far in his tenure in Dallas, or you are just like the biggest Michigan Wolverines fan who's ever lived. Like those are the only three explanations I can find for being out on Ezekiel Elliott at this price. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be, like, over the moon to get him. Just, like, half a pick ahead of him in terms of ADP is Brees Hall. I'm not saying that you should be so in on Ezekiel Elliott that you're definitely taking him over Brees Hall. Half a round ahead of him is Cam Akers. I'm not saying you should jump Cam Akers for him. The next guy who I'm not going to say his name yet because I want it to be a big reveal when we get to him. Like, I'm not saying you should for sure take Zeke over who this next guy is either. But I'm just saying... If you're avoiding Zeke like the plague at 40 overall at RB19, that's just you're you're looking for something that we've just seen no evidence of whatsoever. I'm with like right. if he, if we were still talking about him as a as a top 12 or 13 running back, he's an easy like. There's no no way anyone should be talking about him with those guys with Javante, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara. I'm taking Travis Etienne comfortably over Ezekiel Elliott this year, and I love Travis Etienne. Maybe I'm a little bit higher on him than most people, but like if we're talking about him in there, it's an easy fade. But here, it's like there is almost no way he doesn't achieve what you need him to do at this range, uh, unless he gets hurt. And so I feel like you you almost have to be in at this price. And I think that's the perfect way to look at it. Just at this at this point, he, you've now every concern we have this offseason, but it's all it's all baked in already. Like yeah. now you're just buying this. When I say don't buy all the risk, now you're basically buying all the potential return. Yeah, there. I mean, like, I mean, I feel like everyone just just for the just for the sake of putting it out there, because I feel like the season he had last year is being a little bit misremembered. 237 carries, 1,002 yards, 10 touchdowns. He caught 47 passes for 287 yards and two touchdowns. And, like, we're writing that up as, like, you know, the the signs of decline for Ezekiel Elliott. It's like, well, if those are the first signs of decline, then we're still going to have another season or two before we really want to be off the Zeke train. So definitely in at this price. The next guy who I didn't want to say because I wanted to be the big reveal, let's do that reveal. Let's pull the curtain back and show everyone David Montgomery, the RB20 by ADP, 45.47 here, Jake. And now this one I am a little bit more concerned about. I think you could say a lot of the same things about David Montgomery that we just said about Ezekiel Elliott. But some things that you cannot say about David Montgomery that we can say about Ezekiel Elliott, David Montgomery is going to play in a bad offense. We know that for sure. How bad? 
that might be maybe is the determining factor on where is David Montgomery ends up this season. But he's not going to have the touchdown upside that Zeke has. He's not going to have the pass catching upside. I don't think that Zeke has. And so I think that's where things start to get a little bit tricky for me. Number two, you know, David Montgomery has been a volume monster in his NFL career, and that has obscured some pretty inefficient seasons. We haven't really cared about that in the fantasy world because he's made up for it by getting 90% of running back touches out of Chicago's backfield when he's been healthy. But that doesn't change the fact that he's been kind of inefficient, and this team expects to get Khalil Herbert more involved this season. I feel like at this price, even though there's plenty to like about David Montgomery, I'm still going to be out. Yeah, I'm, I I guess I'm mildly in because some of the risk, like, and I've been one to talk up Khalil Herbert and talk down David Montgomery. Actually, in mm-hmm. consensus rankings, I'm lower than by four spots than everybody. But if he's going to fall into the dead zone, and he's your RB2, I could see it because if Khalil Herbert stays in a 30% role, then you'll see some value here, mostly because David Montgomery still does get passing game work. I mean, we're talking about 68 and 51 targets the past two years. And then he gets the goal line work, six, seven, eight touchdowns. On they We talked about it in the last podcast, too. Not a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. And whether – I mean – if you somehow it becomes a decent offensive line, but even though the scoring offense hasn't been great in past years, he still has six, seven, eight touchdowns. So when it comes down to the comparison I made previously was to the Ravens, when you have a Lamar Jackson offense, well, the touchdown upside is going to carry a backfield split like this, or even the lead running back only getting 260, 270 touches. It's going to be the touchdown upside when Mark Ingram finished top five the one year. I just don't know that you're going to get that with the Bears. But if you're going to drop him to a low-end RB2, I'm kind of okay with it. I think it could definitely go south. And now we're talking about a 50-50 split backfield with Justin Fields involved. And now all of a sudden, this just looks like crap. And all of a sudden, you have two RB3s very similar to each other. I do think there's a world where that happens. You know I like Herbert. But at this price, I'm, I'm mildly and I'm not going to aggressively low. Ooh, David Montgomery's there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pivot off my wide receiver three. But I at this spot, I'm okay with it. I think that's fair. Even though I'm generally out, I definitely think that's a, a fair way to look at David Montgomery. And so it'll be uh, an interesting season. I am scooping up plenty of Khalil Herbert um, later on in drafts for, for whatever that's worth uh, to you out there. But Because uh, I do think that he's going to have a much larger role to play in Chicago's offense. And we all saw what he was capable of doing last year in those couple of games that David Montgomery missed because of injury. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
One more guy to get to here, or our next guy to get to here, probably the better way of saying that, is Antonio Gibson, a guy who maybe also is being a little bit unfairly maligned in the fantasy football marketplace right now. We're talking about a guy who has played two seasons in the NFL, has scored double-digit touchdowns in both of those seasons, is back in largely the same role he had last year that netted him a 1,037 yard, seven touchdown, 294 receiving yard, three touchdown season, 42 grabs. Last year, Jake, I mean, we're pointing to J.D. McKissick as owning the the pass-catching role in Washington, as we should. That is absolutely the roles he is going to have. But he had that role last year, and uh, Antonio Gibson still found his way to 42 receptions. Antonio Gibson's going to be the primary runner. Antonio Gibson's going to get the work at the goal line. Carson Wentz is not someone who you worry about too much taking away the rushing load, maybe more than Taylor Heineke, but not in such a way that you know we're not like what you were just talking about with guys like Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. I don't know, man. I was like, I was feeling like pretty comfortably out on Antonio Gibson, but the more I thought about him, the more I feel like RB21. Yeah, depending on the way I've built my team over the first four rounds or so, I could get in on this. So I'm doing the Data Force Charity League, which I do every single year. And this is 100%. Well, two things. So I'm drafting for the 14th spot, and there's no third round reversal. So 14th. At that, I mean, you're, you, everybody who's been at a 14 at the bot- back end of the turn knows that it's kind of a disadvantage, uh, mm-hmm. just especially in a 14-team league. So, again, and I'm playing for charity. It's first place or nothing. So, like, who the hell cares? But I bring that up to say this, is that I drafted Antonio Gibson in the fifth round at the turn. So, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Because I'm going... First or last in this. My first two picks were Barkley and Kamara, and that Kamara thing was before the news, so that looks good. That looks good, really good. But the Gibson, the Gibson there is like, I'm. Well, if you're going to give me Gibson in the fifth of a 14 mm. team, fourth, I'd even consider it because there's legitimate concerns. Yes, the passing game did see an uptick when McKissick went out in week 12. Yes, there was. But it's not like he wasn't involved before that. He was seeing two, three, and four targets. It's not a huge share, but he catches a nice percentage of those. So it's not like, again, it's not like he had zero passing game upside. Right. So there's some McKissick's back. The biggest concern and why he's down in this range is because, you know, played on a bulky knee, but still had those numbers with the knee situation. Like, is he going to be a healthy? All, all reports right now is that he is, but the Brian Robinson factor is like, oh my God, he's going to lose goal line carries. You know, he fumbled too much at the goal lines. And yes, those are all legitimate concerns. But like Ezekiel Elliott, if Robinson is a non-factor, Gibson was just an RB1 with McKissick for most of the year. If he's a non-factor, you've just bought all the upside. This goes back to Zeke. At this point, I'm a, this one, I, I'm completely in on Gibson. It's like you said to start. I was initially at, like, go back two months from now, and this is how quickly things can change in the offseason. Go back two months. I was the low man, quote-unquote, on Antonio Gibson because I had him at, like, RB15. And we were like, oh, did you not just see what Antonio Gibson did actually before the draft, too? Do you not see what Antonio Gibson was doing last year and blah, blah, blah? And then they draft Brian Robinson, and everybody goes panic for the hills and, like, loses their damn minds. So, yes, at this, I'm absolutely in Antonio Gibson because you there's you've absorbed all the potential here. Like, you don't have to worry about it. If he's in a complete timeshare... Okay, fine. RB3. And that's what you drafted him as. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as you said, if that's the build you follow, then Gibson you know, having a bust season doesn't hit you the way that it would hit someone if they've gone zero RB to this point and then have taken him as their RB1. So I just there's there's a lot of there's a lot of room for profit on Antonio Gibson at that 57.96. I mean, we are talking 
what, the middle of the fifth round in a 12-team draft. I mean, for a guy who has had nothing but double-digit se- double touchdown seasons in his NFL career, that is definitely a, a dice roll worth taking. How about J.K. Dobbins, Jake? He's got a, a right behind Antonio Gibson ADP, 58.73, RB22. Now, it's hard to make a fully formed opinion on J.K. Dobbins right now just because we still don't know exactly what the deal is going to be with him and his return from injury. We had the, uh, the Ian Rappaport report that he's a good bet to miss week one, and then J.K. Dobbins comes right back and says, get the hell out of here. I'm definitely not going to miss week one. So, you know, we'll see. We'll have a better picture of that within the next couple of weeks here. But let's just say, I guess it's more interesting to talk about this in a world where J.K. Dobbins is back. So let's let's just put ourselves in a mind where J.K. Dobbins is playing week one, but on something of a snap limit. How do you feel about him at 58.73 in RB22? Uh, so now, this is going to be, again, how quickly things change. He's in my breakout column for running backs, and I was I had him inside my top 20. I don't think this is course corrected enough that it's come to what the risk is associated here. I'm out. Mm-hmm. I, I have him at 28 right now. I have him down with Chase Edmonds and Tony Pollard and Kareem Hunt. Timeshare leads, timeshare second pieces, because it's the fact that, you know, at first after the draft felt great. You know, they took Beatty late, Batty late, and he's basically just Justice Hill. And he's like, oh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, seems like they should be fine with them. And then they sign Mike Davis, and then it's like, oh, okay. And we're getting multiple reports from multiple doctors, which I always bring up is that more the more you see, pay attention and listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening. I'm watching. More and more doctor reports, you sign Mike Davis, and then you don't stop with Mike Davis. And then you bring in Clement, too. So this tells me there's some backup plans here. Like, we might be down Dobbins and Edwards to start the season, but more scary of the two is Dobbins. So... Yeah, uh, 28, I'm willing to gamble right there because maybe it's a Barkley situation like last year, and by mm-hmm. week three or four, he's back to Dobbins. And if any, if you did the – everybody's 100% healthy in this backfield. It's Dobbins is clearly the best talent and not clearly the best option. It's not even close. But we're also talking about a backfield that's not going to see a lot of targets, even if it is Dobbins, who can catch passes. It's just he's not going to see it because that's not how Jackson and this offense mm-hmm. run. So you're, again, talking rushing upside of – 220 carries over a season and then you need to get close to double digit touchdowns so yeah i'm out right now again i don't think it's course corrected enough i've course corrected more than this it's hard to make the pieces fit with the way you just said right like if you're if you're really thinking about in like the perfect world a carry ceiling of 220 uh, you know what lamar takes off the table both yardage and touchdown wise you're going to need more work in the passing game, and it's just we have not seen any evidence of that coming from Baltimore's offense, and frankly, why would we, given how they've played with a healthy Lamar Jackson over these last few seasons? It's just hard to start to make all the pieces fit for for J.K. Dobbins, and when he's healthy, you can still look at that and say, all right, but he's going to dominate the backfield, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, he's going to break off some big plays, yada, 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 and you go from there, but when you have the concerns of what his injury questions are, it does start to get a little bit more challenging to get to that point, especially when you think about some of the guys who come after him. And I don't just mean after him overall. I don't mean after him with every single position on the table. I just mean after him at the running back position, because we're going to talk about a couple of more here. And, you know, uh, if we knew all these guys were fully healthy coming into the season, I'm probably on J.K. Dobbins over these next two guys. But we know that J.K. Dobbins is coming into the season potentially compromised, and that's not going to be the case for either of these next two guys. And so that's why it just starts to get a little hard for me when just every single thing that knocks against J.K. Dobbins makes it 
hard for me to get to this point. If suddenly we're talking a month from now, Jake, when we're making our last couple of drafts and he's a full round cheaper by ADP, then maybe I'm in depending on why he's that full round cheaper. But at this price, hard for me to want to court that injury history that J.K. Dobbins has, that injury risk that J.K. Dobbins brings into this 2022 season. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The first guy of the two who I want to talk about next, who I would take over J.K. Dobbins, is Josh Jacobs, who checks in as running back 23, an ADP overall of 60.77. Jake, I am fully believing that Devontae Adams is the rising tide that lifts all ships in Vegas. I think this is going to be a great offense. I think this is going to be an offense that fantasy managers want to invest in. You want to do it with Devontae, you're going to have to do it early. You want to do it with Darren Waller, you're going to have to nail that tight end timing, not just with where you take Waller, but with how tight ends are priced in your league. J.K. Dobbins offers you just this easy entry point into what could be a very good offense. This was the 11th ranked offense by passing EPA last year, and that's what drives the way teams produce. 11th last year without Devontae Adams. Now they add arguably the best receiver in the NFL, if not the very best, one of the three or four best for sure to the mix here. This could be a very good offense. Josh Jacobs, a great way to get invested. And for all those reasons, I really like Josh Jacobs at this price. At price, I'm I'm in. I'm not all in. 100% 100% no doubt like you are, uh, mostly because, so again, listen to it and see what the teams are telling you, and I'm never going to ignore it because I'm the one trying to preach it. I was firmly in the Kenyon Drake's going to be a non-factor because he was a Gruden thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of reports, including from The Athletic, saying that Kenyon Drake is going to be a factor, and that Bolden's going to be a factor, and they drafted Zemir White to be involved, and they brought in Amir Duel, who might not make the team because there's not enough. There's That's four names right there, Jacobs, Drake, Bolden, White, and that they're mm-hmm. looking towards the future, and they didn't give him that tag or even a contract extension because they're moving on, and we could be looking at a full-blown committee. So... Now we go back to what was kind of been the theme of this show with David Montgomery, with Ezekiel Elliott. 
you're you're kind of factoring that in at this cost that if it is a full blown committee, at least he's going to be the lead and should see the touchdown upside. So worst case scenario, I guess worst case scenario, he could finish even lower, but I feel like this is almost a worst case scenario. He finishes right here. The better case scenario, their best case is that Drake is a non-factor and he was just a Gruden guy and Bolden doesn't stay on the field as he hasn't been able to. And he's more of a special teams running back option that only sees one or two opportunities a game. Zamira White's a rookie that doesn't really connect until next year. And all those reasons is if Jacobs gets to 260 touches, I'm not even giving him 300, just 260 in this offense. Yeah, you're looking at a potential top 15 running back. So mm-hmm. in at this price, but not crazy all in at this price. Uh, very similar to David Montgomery is in. I, and now, mind you, I want Jacobs over Montgomery, but similar to the fact of like, I'll take him here, but I'm not going to be like, oh, like if I see him on the board and I'm coming up in two picks, I'm not going to like, please let him make him to me. Please let him make him. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like, I'll just be like, oh, cool. He's there. Jacobs over Montgomery at ADP is very easy. Montgomery, again, just as a reminder, 45.47. Jacobs is here more than a round later. I have him over the, I have him one spot in front of him, period. That's exactly where I was going, and I do too. Like That's a, that's not even really a, a thought for me. I'm easily taking Jacobs over Montgomery, and this is something that we talk about a lot on this show. Sometimes, like Unless you are talking Cooper Cup, and even maybe him, maybe uh, Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, these like no doubt about it, uber talents. Unless you're talking those guys, you want to make some of these decisions based on offense and context and team environment. And like, I really think, not to just go crazy about this, but I really think like Vegas is going to be a great place to be invested in the football field this season. It's all—it's basically a horrible place to be invested unless you're behind the scenes in a casino. But uh, other than that, the Vegas football team, I think you're going to want to be invested in them this season. Yeah. And that's the bigger thing, too, is you know, we talk about what if it's a Damian Harris, Ezekiel Elliott role like last year. Well, then if you're getting 10, 12 rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. then this is still yeah. too low. Yeah, a Damian Harris or Ezekiel Elliott uh, role on a team that you know has a top five offensive ceiling is something that I absolutely would take. And I, I think also like a top 15 floor, I, I, I think a, a lot would have to go wrong. A, a crazy amount of anomalous things would have to go wrong for this not to be a very good offense once again this season. One more guy to hit on here, Jake. Elijah Mitchell is the last running back we're going to talk about in this episode of TAFFP. He's got an ADP of 63.52. That makes him the RB25 overall. He's a guy who we've talked about a bit, but it was a while ago, um, and so now we've seen a little bit of Trey Lance at training camp as the unquestioned starter for San Francisco this season. We've gotten a couple of looks at uh, Tyrion Davis-Price and how that's going to work out for San Francisco. Uh, You know, just basic training camp looks. But I figured it made some sense to get this uh, Elijah Mitchell conversation resurfaced once again here. He's another guy who at RB25, like it feels like a pretty easy pick for me to make. A lot similar to what you've been saying about some of these guys. Two picks away, I'm not sweating bullets praying for him to make it to me. If he does make it to me, I'll be happy to take him. Yeah, so uh, this this is one where I could (laughs) be going down with this ship is I am – Fully, 100% all in on this one. No doubt all in on this one uh, because it, I'm going to reference something that I asked Jeff Ratcliffe on my show. And I said, hey, name this running back. And I said 19 carries, 17 carries, 9 when he got hurt, 18, 18, 8, and he led the backfield. Nobody had more than one in that game when it was just a clustered you-know-what against Arizona. <laughs> and then 27, 27, 22, 21, 21, 27, and then 17 and 11 in the playoffs. All those 20s came with Debo doing Debo 
Like yep. that's while Debo was running out of the backfield. That's is week 10, 12 is when that started happening. And still 27, 27, 22, 21, 21, 21, 27. Okay. This is ridiculous volume. That is absurd volume. That's Derrick Henry volume. I am 100% in on this unless I listen to the teams and we continue right now. It sounds like a lot of speculation. There's one beat reporter saying Terry and David Price. There's another beat reporter saying Jeff Wilson. There's another beat reporter saying, well, you know, Trey Sermon could make some noise, maybe a little bit in the passing game. Like, it doesn't seem anybody's on the same page. I will, like, Homer, call me a Homer, but I will say of all beat reporters out there, including our own athletic, I think one of the best is our own covering the 49ers, and seems to be the most truthful through past years. And if we start getting multiple people starting to say, Elijah Mitchell's not going to even carry the ball. I'm not worried about the passing game. Kyle Shanahan likes his, I say this time and again, Kyle Shanahan likes his running backs in roles. We know Mitchell can catch balls, but he doesn't use them that way. He uses them like Derrick Henry. If we see people saying Elijah Mitchell's not going to carry the ball 20 times a game, it's going to be 15 and then Sermon's going to get a share or 15 and Jeff Wilson will be a factor this year. And we have five, six, seven beat reporters starting to say that. Then I'll move them down. But as of right now, we do that. I think I said this to you last week, Beller, with you and Funston, or it was the week before when I said last year we sat here at this time and people were going gaga for Raheem Mostert. And then when he went down, people were losing their minds for Jeff Wilson in the fourth round and the third round because that he's stepping into that role under Shanahan. Most of the running back changes with Shanahan have come because of injury. It's not really been because he's like got tired of using his lead guy and been like, ah, let me switch it up. It's mostly been injuries. So no doubt in on this. And Elijah Mitchell is going so far out now. Again, you get me a month from now, start of the season. Maybe it's a different story. But as of today, no doubt. Elijah I Mitchell. Do, I do think this is worth remembering. So as you said, a lot of us, myself very much included, we're going crazy for Raheem Mostert and what his draft price was. I mean, he was a he was like he was like a, like barely a top seventy pick or something like that last year. I can't remember exactly, but he was just so affordable, and you could just see the stars aligning for him last season. He gets hurt right away in that first game against the Lions, ends up being a season-ending knee injury. And I don't think that we can uh, you know mention this too many times. In that game, Elijah Mitchell, zero percent drafted. Everyone was ready for Trey Sermon. Everyone was ready for Jeff Wilson to make his return. And Elijah Mitchell comes in, takes over for Raheem Mostert in that game, and goes 19 for 104 and a touchdown. And it's like that that nails exactly what you just said about Kyle Shanahan seeing his running backs in specific RB roles. It's like, all right, Raheem's down. Elijah Mitchell is Raheem Mostert for me now. And boom, not only did he live in that role, but he played awesome football in that role and so yeah could other guys get in that mix of course they could but you have to wonder why Kyle Shanahan would mess with what worked so well for him last year with Elijah Mitchell as his primary runner so long as he stays at this price he's going to be a very nice guy to have ready on draft day Jake that's gonna do it man a whole week without Brandon Funston how awesome has it been <laughs> it's been fine because we can do a show in this t- tighter range maybe if we're trying to push an hour but we'll we'll have to get on him again when he gets back and well he'll be back next week and we'll talk about uh some other uh things that we're uh, thinking about in this fantasy football world with brandon funston something that serves a little bit better with three people on the show mr funston mr vacation in august 
get back here, man. We are going to be ready for you. We're going to grill you a little bit. We'll also hopefully have just a little bit of fun with all of you out there. Thanks so much for listening to us here. For Jake, I am Michael Beller. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.